Hey, welcome back to Food News and Choose Radio, sponsored by Sullivan University, Sullivan.edu. Everyone's here. Hey, uh, how you doing, Sylvia? Hey, I'm doing great. Um, Sylvia, Chef Jeremy, Norm, we're going to talk to Chef uh, John Foster in the second half of the show about, uh, well, he's at Sullivan. He's also uh, owner and chef at Sage Rabbit. He'll mm-hmm. be on with us. All right, but I want to start out with this. Mm. Whenever I get nominated for a James Beard Award, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to turn it down. Have you been reading about this? So, uh, Front page New York Times article on this. And uh, I'm trying to get my head around it a little bit. You know, we've got people that are being nominated, and other people are Mm -hmm. complaining because of their workforce ethics. Yeah, well, the whole thing of the Me Too thing, and then uh, then discovering some of these great chefs were, like, abusive. But then there are others that just feel like they're being persecuted because they somebody complained and said they were difficult people. Mm-hmm. And then they get put through this whole thing. And that was the story in the New York Times was a Lexington woman mm-hmm. who was nominated and her th- name is Sam Foray. Yeah, well, Tuck Tuck. Yeah, and I don't really, I can't imagine her being a, um, any anything well, like that. Well, she was that. an She's activist. Sweetest, and so she had a lot of things on social media where she was being an activist <clears throat> and about abuse and stuff like sure, that. Sure. Uh, and then she was put through like this interrogation by the James Beard people. So it's just interesting because it's supposed to be like the Oscars of, and people are actually literally turning it down because they think that actually it might hurt them more than help them. Really. There's been some controversy for the probably past 10 to 15 years with the Beard Foundation. This is an organization I'm part of, you know, right. and have done things for. Um, you know, I've never quite understood the nomination process and what the qualifications mm-hmm. are. Um, I'm going to say it right now, it seems like a buddy club to me. Yeah. So it does seem like um, yeah. it's pay to play, it, it seems like. And so I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I go turning down awards, but I also don't want to be associated with slander. Like that is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, okay. you don't want, because, you know, <clears throat> anybody can complain about anybody. <clears throat> right. And they do in social media. Well, does, does winning right. an award kind of put a target on your back or being nominated? Does that kind of put well, a target on your back? That's another thing. So I guess my question is as someone, I haven't worked in the, in the culinary industry in 20 years, I got into radio, but I did work in restaurants mm-hmm. before. I remember them being very aggressive places. Yeah. And I, 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 yeah, that's right. Yeah, not I for wonder, the weary. Yeah, right. And I wonder, but now things are changing, and I wonder if part of the problem is people who grew up in that very aggressive environment are products of the generation they were in. Not naming names, or right? I'm just saying in general, yeah, speaking. Sure. In, you know, people were a product of that generation, a product of that upbringing, and maybe the next generation, the one after, yeah. is like, no, this is not how it should be, and you're having mm-hmm. that confluence of people who've done it this way for it, so long and now want and to do it this way culinary is not the only industry right i mean right, it's right. legendary that things that went on 30 years right, ago they, don't go on the world has not, changed the world has changed and there's still a lot of people mm-hmm. who grew up mm-hmm. or came up through that system yeah. and now they're trying to navigate the world the way it is now james beard like everything else is trying to figure out what medium they're in and what how how you deal with that because this seemed a little extreme and now james beard foundation makes the front page of the new york times with someone who looks totally innocent who was put in through like the ringer uh just after she gets nominated and she's wondering do i even want this award? right right or, or will it hurt is it more trouble it's like winning the lottery is it more trouble than it's they were worth? trying to bring in diversity and you know that was a you know in the last 10 years mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. i need to read more up on this and follow what's going on because you know fascinating she, sam will be opening tuck tuck bites you know within the next right. year um and to my knowledge this is her first 
restaurant. It is. I think she's been doing it out of her yeah. own kitchen. So anyway, that's that. But I know you're getting, you just got a pool, buddy, so you're doing some grilling and you really giving some thinking to all of this. Well, yeah, I'm just kind of doing uh, uh, some tips and tricks at home, and I'm kind of combining this into things at re- the restaurant. I- I've, I've found that right now um, I'm so excited to have really awesome cuts of fish and meat being flown in that they haven't been for the for a while. You know, mm-hmm. the, or the expense has been through the roof. They've right. been on it achievable um so really the accentuation is you know more about the the protein item and a less distraction on the starch and the vegetable and the sauce and the garnish um trying to combine those into one and i'm trying to i think it applies to home cooking a whole lot mm-hmm. um and the, the i guess the the major technique is kind of introducing a lot of whole grains into your vegetable preparations okay and what i mean by that is like okay you know if you say i'm grilling out this weekend we're going to make grilled vegetables well that's fine and good but then you have to make some kind of potato or some kind of mac and cheese for the kids and then you know to make everybody happy because it doesn't seem complete i say take the work out of it and kind of combine both and typically right now i'm keeping just boiled off farro and quinoa uh spelt one kind of grain in my fridge whether it's you know and also some rice that's just kind of stuff that we boil off on sunday yep and we have that in there and we can use it as a median you know throughout the week to, to fill in so i cook it and put it in ziploc bags and serving and put it in the freezer yeah because it thaws perfectly and you can exactly what you're talking about right so i mean i think that's where you kind of fold this into your grilled vegetables or your vegetable preparation how would you do that like uh, so so i think you 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 can boil the grains very simply whenever i'm using any of these neutral grains for home i simply use cold water salt (coughs) bay leaf and onion to flavor Mm -hmm. them um that's in every little pot of grain that i boil and it's a slow simmer to where you know kind of infuses some of those aromatics it's not like salty or flavored it's just the aromatic that's chilled and put in the fridge now whatever i'm making that week whether it's you know grilled and chilled veggies or just grilled vegetables i mean zucchini squash Mm -hmm. whatever whatever you can get your hands on that's kind of where i'll you know chop them up and fold them with the grain Mm -hmm. and i'm finding that i don't really think that creamy dressings are really good with with that kind of preparation but that's kind of what people have they typically have ranch blue cheese in in the fridge or thousand island um and i guess another goal is we're trying to use less mayonnaise in my house so we've kind of been bringing in a lot of tahini and it's oh, yeah. a jar of sesame paste sure and I, I think this is a really excellent way for you guys to dress your vegetables and starches and keep it healthy with very little effort so whenever you have a grain tahini. bowled off whenever you have your veggies done you have a tahini paste just mix it with lemon juice oil salt pepper if you want to use a garlic or whatever What's and just tahini? pour it over it's a sesame seed paste uh, is it sort of like teriyaki sauce it's more like peanut peanut butter. family it, it's sauces? honestly it's it's really like peanut butter yeah. comes in a jar it's like natural peanut you you stir it because the oil separates, and it just has very well, nutty flavor. Right, and the reason I'm saying that, going back to this creamy feel, is like mm-hmm. that's satisfying. Those ranch dressings and mayonnaise things you guys are used to, this is going to give it that feel. So, without, what, do you, so what do you do with a tahini? You Just rub pour it a couple it? tablespoons in a bowl, add some lemon juice or vinegar and oil. If you want to flavor it further, I mean, I always add a little fresh garlic because I just 
Mm. Why not, right? Salt and pepper. That's typically all yeah. I do at home. And then what do you do? And just use it to dress your salads, your your vegetables, oh, everything. You're not talking about grilling at this point. Yeah, it'd yeah, be after the veggies are grilled. How do you yeah. marry the veggie and the starch together? And this has kind of been a good way for us to do that at home. My kids will eat it. Well, I'll tell you something that I do. And, and I'm not similar. using loads and gallons of ranch dressing. No, and I, I we love tahini at my house. We do, we do, I'll do my own uh, things like baba ganoush and, uh, you know, hummus, things like that. But one of the, one of my favorite things is to do a grilled vegetable specifically eggplant almost yeah. like you're making baba ganoush yes but not pureed a eggplant salad mm-hmm. coated with a baba ganoush dress or with a uh, tahini dressing it's like a deconstructed baba ganoush yes and it's really really good and you don't have to worry about getting a blender What's out there a baba there. ganoush so baba ganoush is <laughs> roasted i'm egg- so dumb oh no no it's a, it's a mediterranean dip and it's <laughs> mainly roasted eggplant i'm never going to win that james beard award <laughs> very roasted eggplant so that it starts to, to melt and fall apart tahini lemon juice garlic maybe a little cumin and you puree it and then it's like hummus you eat it like a dip but it's it's amazing when you don't when you don't and it works great on a grill because fire takes to eggplant amazing it does and you chop it instead of puree it and you make it almost like a salad sure Mm -hmm. it's it's really good anyway so that i mean that's that's my tip out there right now guys is is get Mm -hmm. is one just buy some tahini and then surround Mm -hmm. yourself with fresh vegetables and grains i love that idea stick away from the vegetable to stay away from uh what what would you advise for for instance this past weekend i i used quinoa in faro and then when i went uh to the store i got um heirloom carrots i got squash zucchini jalapeno beets um you know chickpeas mm-hmm. uh celery <laughs> bell peppers this has all been well the spare like and asparagus the asparagus and squash zucchinis and peppers i grilled and then everything else was just kind of raw mixed together with grains and that vinaigrette um but uh, anyway that just it's a, just a, a nice way to combine your starch Any and vegetable meat? on a grilling day Any no meat? this was this was the side and, oh, and the, the starch the and vegetable mm-hmm. to the meat. Oh, I got so, you, got you. Uh, and that reminds me of something I saw this weekend because I like methods. I don't like recipes. I like methods right, where you can interchange. Mm-hmm. I find so, most helpful. I mean, I can tell you to do, you know, all these different yeah. flavor combinations of this in, in this tech, this in, this dressing, but do it well, yourself. You know, something I saw was Italian fried rice, and I thought, oh, that that's, that sounds <laughs> crazy. What does that mean? Well, so you know, when you go to the Chinese restaurant, uh-huh. you order at home, you always have leftover white rice. Rice. Exactly. And old rice is what you want to make fried rice out of. Yeah. You don't never use fresh rice, you gotta use old rice. Well, if you just change out so you got the rice, fry in olive oil, instead of using soy, use balsamic vinegar and the same vegetables and you can put a little tomato in there and you can make an Italian basil where you would use, you know, and Throw make a little prosciutto in there. And, no, exactly. And you can do that with any style of food. You can make a fried rice out of any let, style. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Um my son was with me for six weeks, and he left a bottle of balsamic vinegar. Mm-hmm. Is that the same as balsamic vinaigrette? Well, <laughs> well, I'm really never going to win, James oil, It becomes a vinaigrette. Oh, you have so, to combine it with oil. Yeah, but the, the balsamic vinegar is what you'd use That's to make the vinaigrette. Yeah. So you just add oil. Yeah, uh, usually two, oh. two parts oil, three parts oil, one part vinegar, mix it, I'm never shake gonna it win. in a jar. Uh, but I, so I made Italian fried rice. And I thought it was great. I think it's a fun idea. Yeah, but like you can do it with Italian. Mexican flavors. Be like uh, you know, like Italian peppers, banana yeah. peppers, 100%. and prosciutto in there. Oh, and, well, why not? I'll so do you that. take the method well, to making fried rice and you change the flavors yeah, and just deglaze the balsamic yeah, and right. soy. So I believe that we should do a field trip to his pool 
Yeah, right. Yeah. I agree. And do a taste testing. And try all my my stuff, right? Oh, that sounds great. Um, There's another story this week about customer service. And people are... So so it's kind of an interesting one. They're tired of the pandemic being an excuse. So, like... I don't know what that means. Are we? You know, Are you talking about the cheesecake thing? Oh, that was a whole nother thing. The, the flexing and food and dining pages. We Sorry, got cheesecake. I got oh, off. there was a cheesecake. Uh, yeah. oh. We're gonna go over that next week, guys. Yeah. Gonna, I want to know about the cheesecake. Back to yours, though. You so, want to know? She's, I don't want to know about. So the I think I read the same article, and basically what it said was people were very patient in the early days and after yeah, the pandemic. But now they're over, and they understood things. The world's different, yeah. but now. They just want to get back to the way things were, and they're tired. They say of That's making excuses order. for you know bad service and you know low. Yeah, uh, just make you... it the way it was, right? And it never will be the way it was. Never will I mean, be. it's like life's different. Wishing one hand, and the average person said, you know, or people are saying, "I'm tired of hearing uh, supply chain short staff. I'm tired of hearing we can't open the whole restaurant because we don't." They they want. It. I don't think, doesn't and I get it, it. Doesn't make it go away. Right. Doesn't mean it doesn't exist. You've right. not seen any of this. We've not seen it at Azor, right? I mean, we just—it's kind of getting better. It seems like. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we have a, a staff, but I mean, there's just no doubt about it. The past three years, there's been just months and months where we weren't prepared to handle the the yeah, volume, right. and there's nothing. How we are could people? But how are the bad. customers? Are yeah. everybody's are, been great? Are they? They're awesome. I haven't seen a difference. Yeah. really. I've seen it getting better. I think it's getting better, but generally, yeah. I think as an overview, uh, there's there could be concerns in like the fast food industry or mm-hmm. something. And I've noticed that. I mean, you go in. Well, remember we talked about the QR codes, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. gone away because people didn't like it. And now there's fast food chains that you go in. There's no person. No. You don't go up to a person. You go to a kiosk and. Frankly, in fact, I one of them, them. I can't I remember which chain it is. Is now using AI at the drive-through. They they're using artificial intelligence instead of someone huh. taking your order at the drive thru You know there was, and I don't know what to say about this guy. So I guess Kentucky was number four in the nation for yeah, job um, basically dissatisfaction. Dissatisfaction with their and job and food was the number one. Food industry. and hospitality really? were yeah. the number one and two, um, and that makes me think that it really does kind of go to. I mean, I don't know if people like dislike working in Azor. I like to think that they enjoy it. I've got people that have been they there for six like to it. ten years, right? And yeah. we, we have fun. We do cool things. But I don't know. Maybe if you've been in a fast food restaurant for years and years and years and there's not a whole lot of other opportunity in your town, I mean, that could be yes. some dissatisfaction. Yeah, yeah. I and think, I, I don't really know, um, you know, what happens I, when we automize these places right. that nobody really wants to work at. So do you think part of it is maybe these jobs were, or some of these jobs were jobs, not careers? And like you said, people feel stuck in them because if you, well, depending on where you live, there might not be a lot of other employers in your area. right. That's the case There's in Kentucky. I think that's, a, that's yeah. not a, Plus, a lot of the people have left for jobs like at UPS and these delivery services have exploded. Not food ones necessarily, but UPS mm-hmm. and FedEx and all of that kind of stuff have really taken off uh and people can get these jobs now also part of it i think is i was talking to somebody else about this about how it used to be that if you were uh, getting into the workforce you started in restaurants and it started Mm -hmm. you know and then you worked but now working in a restaurant is a hard job unless you love it it's it's a tough job you can make almost that Mm -hmm. working in other places places. and also employers aren't as 
they can't afford to be as selective anymore. It used to be you got tattoos, you can't work in my store. You'd ha- you know you'd go to oh, the kitchen. Oh, I know. Yeah, it's not like that it's anymore. It's not like that anymore. And I think we're the restaurant industry has to catch up with that. I think there's mm-hmm. a different way you have to deal with the worker of today that you know may be different than it was. There might be some issues involved that. You know, we need to know how to talk to these folks a little bit better because I know you talk to restaurateurs where someone just walked off the job yesterday because, you know, we complained about something, you know, the floor was wet or something, and they walk off the job and they don't come back. And we don't know. That's very disruptive to a business. Sure. To have that happen, but that's kind of. Do you find that, that people, when they. Uh, how can I put this? Are, are, is, there, is it a generational thing, do you think? Do you think that people come in now expecting more than previous generations expected in their first job or entry-level job or in the beginning of their career? I guess I'm not that much of a pessimist. I just kind of think it's mm. that people maybe found other things and it's left these jobs for wanting. I, I don't know. What do you think, Chef? I, you know, I see You're on half of the young workforce very ambitious and eager and ready to do this. I mm-hmm. see it's just like it kind of was, but the only thing is, is I, we'd only see number like younger people, you mm-hmm. know, the veterans of the industry are gone. It didn't treat them well. It pushed mm-hmm. them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you so know, we don't have a whole lot of experience to start with. Yeah. Um, it's but tough. The, 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 I think the willingness is there. Um, there is a desperation in the word hospitality in, in terms of I think there is a difference between maybe 20 years ago or 10 years ago and now. Mm-hmm. Just the overall engagement with eye contact, getting out of your phone, being friendly, yeah, that's an saying issue. yes, being accommodating. Customer um, service. Customer service. So th- I think that, that there's a lot to be learned there. There's oh, I think of, you're right. I and, think that's a huge void. But there's, but there's also been a lot of expectations. Mm-hmm. You know, if also if a business says like, no, I don't do that, then that's where the conversation stops. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. no, you're going to do it for me. Right. No, I think that. So do you think you there was there was you know the adage for hundreds of years the customer is always right, and I think you're starting to see that. Is that they, we've kind of ba- as a society backed off of that because you realize eh, the customer wasn't always right, yeah. you know, and sometimes the employees got treated awfully because the customer was always right. That's right. The world changed. The world and, changed. And everybody's now got a voice. Everybody's now got yeah. ability to be on social media and be heard. But that could go the other. That, that could stuff. go so yeah. far around that it comes back and goes. Well, the customer's never right. I work here. I, you know. That's I think right. there's you there's have to have the, that there's a medium, right? There's a balance. And maybe the pandemic take. did reset a lot of things, and so we're having to. I think it did. Adapt. Speaking of adapting, we're going to talk to uh, Chef John Foster next, who adapts his menu every season. Love this guy. Every, every different menu, different food, different very. Mm-hmm. We're talking about and, delicious bistro. And Sullivan roll. And he's, he's at a Sullivan. Big deal. Teaching young chefs, so don't go anywhere. Yeah. We'll talk to Chef John Foster, food of uh, uh, Sullivan University, and the Sage Rabbit next on Food News and Choose Radio. Thank you. Hey, welcome back to Food News and Choose Radio. Chef John Foster, not only is he an award-winning chef who teaches at Sullivan, he's also a restaurant owner, owner of the Sage Rabbit in the uh, in Chevy Chase. He, he kind of has a laboratory, right? What? Yeah, he kind of has a... Laboratory for his Sullivan work. Yeah. Hospitality, yeah. <laughs> and he does it well. <laughs> How you doing, Chef John? 
Good. How are you guys doing? Doing great. By the way, I like your look. I'm too bad this is radio. <laughs> I know. It's great. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is my non-corporate look. <laughs> That's the John we know right there. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I bet that feels good on a hot kitchen. Well, yeah, that's why I had to step out. It's really hot today. Yeah, yeah gotcha. So, guys, what what's happening? It's let's let's start with Sage Rabbit. Yeah, you know, because what a great it's place. Time. You have, um, you know, one of those lovely little bistros in Chevy Chase that is probably the only one I know of that has a patio. I mean, I, I think know. it's kind of a special and spot. And you know how we are crazy about patios. Patio. Patios are great. Food tastes better on a patio, doesn't it? Does. It? Why is that? It does. I wonder. It's I don't like know. It's vacation feel. Yeah, it's a vacation feel. You could be looking out over a body of water. You just like get kind of into another universe. Yes. So tell us about because it's all sparkly now. Got lights all lined up on it, and we show oh, yeah. pictures. We, uh, we do a good job with our patio. We start usually as early as March. Hold on a second. Okay. Life of a chef—you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I know something happen. was burning on the stove. Oh yeah. <laughs> There's no, no we, tray we of bacon safe. March, trying to plan out what we're going to do with the patio. Uh, my wife does most of the landscaping on it. And we never have enough plants, and there's never enough greenery because you know we get a lot of sun in the afternoon. So yeah, cactus grow very well on our patio. That's about it. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 a spot. People call up and and they want to sit on well, the patio. And of course, you know if we have room, we're going to let them. It's in an iconic location. I mean, Chevy Chase just has a feel. Oh yeah, it's definitely kind of a heartbeat of our city. That yeah. that kind of neighborhood. So John, you know, we've been we've been through a lot as restaurant owners and chefs. Um, I, you know, I kind of feel like supply chains and, you mm-hmm. know, our local producers and our fish purveyors are kind of catching up. You know, we're starting to see some some streamlined things. So what, what's your kind of strategy going into this season? Are we um, we going to step outside of the box or kind of keep it hyper local? What's your what's your vision right now for for Sage Rabbit? Well, we're going to stay what we've always been, and that's local. Uh, and we've never really had any er- interruption in our local uh, supply chain. And I think I told you last time I was on, you know, they haven't even raised prices, so I don't know what they're doing. Um, but, uh, I'm not getting as much as I got last year only because of the weather. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Asparagus season. Um, and now we're on into summer already. So yeah, it's almost tomatoes, squash. I've already got cucumbers going. So I'm going to keep it pretty close to what we've been doing because I think that that keeps people satisfied. It, it, it's comfortable for them every once in a while just for my own sanity i'll step outside the box but we keep it pretty close yeah are there any like specific ingredients that you know every year or every couple of years there's a there's an it ingredient it could yeah. be kale it, could be it, it, is, yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, that's right for, for a while everything I'm, was kale. i'm glad kale went away yeah. actually personally <laughs> is there anything is there anything now that's like kind of the the it ingredient this year that people are you using or want? <laughs> You're still pretty strong on Brussels sprouts on my end, John. Maybe? I don't know about yeah. you. But really? Are yeah, people yeah. buying the Brussels? I mean, I mean, they're liking that. Yeah. Brussels sprouts was big in the wintertime. Now, I mean, I, I can't get enough mushrooms. Mushrooms? Local mushrooms. Lots and lots of mushrooms of all kinds. You know, chicken of the woods, shiitake, lion's mane. Uh, I'm looking forward to chanterelles coming in. And uh, people are, uh, I mean, literally are gobbling them up. I can't keep them in the house. Uh, so I would say for me, it's mushrooms second to, uh, probably, uh, you know, incoming tomatoes, all sorts of tomatoes, um, because people are just thirsting for the tomatoes to come back in. And, oh, and yeah. so I, I got some local stuff in yesterday, some local tomatoes. Tasting Beautiful. okay. 
tomatoes. What are you, what are you making with them? What, what are you doing well, with your tomatoes? They're going on a, on, on a saute for our redfish, but they're also going into a, our first chilled soup of the season, the tomato basil mm. uh, chilled soup. You know, I want to ask, um, you talk about local mushrooms, and we do have some pretty good guys. I know a couple startups right now that are going to do some really? indoor growing. Uh, and then we got some excellent foraders out there. But, John, when a chef says I got lots of mushrooms, using a lot, what, what do you um, – what could you give our, our listeners? What's a dish that you primarily would make with mushrooms? Because I think that's one way to help people out at farmer's markets is to have them uh-huh. hyper-focus on one ingredient mm-hmm. or two. You know, let's say, all right, today we're going to go to the farmer's market. We know from Food News and Choose that mushrooms are available. Right. What I'm going to buy a big, you know, let's get what three pounds of them. them. Let's yeah. do mushrooms. What do we do? We do pastas, yeah. uh, fresh pastas, and, and dry. You can do the dry. You do risottos. Uh, and then you use them as a flavoring agent for other meats. So they, the umami of the mushroom kind of plays off the umami of the proteins. So chicken is great. Beef is great. I've even done it with a redfish because the redfish tends to be really meaty. Uh, and so they play off really well. And if you're looking for a substitute, if you want to try to balance your animal protein with vegetable proteins, uh, the, the best umami that I can think of is mushroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, that's we call the center of a plate item. You know, we talked yeah. about this hyper-focus on mushrooms. And, you know, that's why they're so diverse is it could be the entree. It could yeah. be the meat. It could be the, the, the but it's also a nourishing you, you element. Can, you can use them in soup, right? I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, you, yeah. you can make lots of cream of mushroom soup. But soup, I guess, isn't as popular in the summertime. Um, you mentioned the chilled soup, John. Yeah, I do a chilled soup. I, I usually do two soups and... I put a, a spinach egg drop soup on the menu out of desperation last fall because I had a ton of spinach, mm-hmm. and I can't get that off the menu. People love that. Really? So, yeah, I know. I'm really taking excited. notes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like three ingredients. Uh, so What, uh, what, are, what are those ingredients? Yeah, I mean, let's, I'm let's guessing it's eggs, yeah. spinach, and soup. Yeah. It's, it's vegetable stock. It's local spinach. It's Well, that's actually four. Local spinach, vegetable stock. Uh, local garlic and local eggs. Yeah, I don't think you're going to, that's pretty hard to beat. I mean, that combination of ingredients. I always, you know, I find that egg drop soup can can be challenging for people the first couple times, mostly from the egg dropping part, you know, like it it ends up being like almost like a a creamy dispersion of emulsified yolk instead of those ribbons and silky ribbons you're looking for in an egg drop. That's right. a, a hard soup to master. That's not one you make at home. No, but soup is it's a great true. way when you have a lot of something mm-hmm. or you have too much of something. Yeah, you can put soup it in is a great way to use you that. You can use it up. Yeah, yeah especially with something like spinach that's so perishable. Because if you look spinach, if you yeah. look at it the wrong way, it goes bad. What's your big items now? What What are people ordering besides mushroom uh, and the uh, spinach soup? Well, you know, I just funny you say that. I just looked at that the other day, and uh, the top five are uh, seafood. Surprisingly enough, leads the pack. Seafood, ribeye, crab cakes, risotto, and gnocchi. You know, your crab cakes are talked about, John. I hear that from other people and other diners around the city about sage rabbit and the crab oh, cakes. Oh, yummy. Them. You know, I've been there and eaten them myself, too. I can attest to so it. But good. that's definitely an item. You keep around pretty much. I think you've had those for a while. I don't know if they come on and off the menu, but that's a, that's a staple, right? Yeah, that's a staple. That's been a staple since Dudley's. Oh, wow. Okay. 30 years ago. So, if well, I guess he knows how to make them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he's pretty good. Where do people go wrong? If you're making crab cakes at home, 
and they're never quite as good as they they're are in the restaurant. What, what, what do you what do you do? Is it the crab? Either, is it the cake? What? Either that or caking anything. My mother would make salmon cakes. Yeah, you, you guys know? mind if we, John? John, let's talk about crab cakes. I think that, yeah. that that's one thing. Cakes. I don't know, I'm going to speak for a second because the chefs that I get, there's a couple schools of thought. I'm more on the school of thought where I just want lump crab and very very little other flavorings. You know, just kind of a binder, mm-hmm. uh, salt, pepper, and acid. Maybe an herb like chive or you know or, or mm-hmm. something like that. Uh, and I and very little breadcrumb. Um, others have a lot of filler with onions and peppers and celery and you know other things that kind of fluff it out. I don't know which one I prefer. I think there's a time and place for both, but. I don't know if you agree with me, John. I find that the the best crab cakes are very are, are barely put together. It's almost barely like you just kind of fold them, oh. mm-hmm. like uh, you know, almost so you, you crack a couple eggs. Uh, I use about an egg for every mm. pound of crab meat. So that still seems not, about right. Not a ton of eggs. No, and you know, a little binder like mayo. Why yeah. is that? Why would that? Just because it's kind of crumbly and <laughs> it's not compact. It's not. What's the rich? word I'm looking for, John? Like they get fluffy. Fluffy. Yeah, I think it's like a, a fluffiness. You know, the egg and, you know, you just kind of fold yeah. it together, Instead a little of bit of binder. Tight. And then, you know, there's pan-seared crab cakes. There's just yeah. oven-fired or broiled crab cakes, you know. I don't think it matters much what you do. I prefer a little crust on them. Yeah. But oh, also, I love the crust part. I also like, you know, a soft-broiled crab cake with just a, a nice dipping do you, sauce. Do you it. put, like, the crumbles... Do you do like a breadcrumb crumble, are you saying, or it's mixed in? Yeah, we typically fold in, like, honestly, it's zested crackers. I mean, it's a, you know, table crackers right. that we have from our oysters. That, uh, right. So that's a byproduct. We, we use that. We also have panko breadcrumbs, which we'll use if we don't have crackers on hand. But right now we but have crackers on hand. Well, I find that's yeah. the best yeah. um, bready thing to bind it with. I don't know if you agree with that or not, John, or other techniques that you have. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, I I, uh, I don't use any binder in it. Um, I use a, a little bit of celery, shallot, garlic, uh, roasted red pepper, tarragon, mm-hmm. a little bit of mustard, a little bit of uh, lemon juice, and then I uh, fold that lump crab in with a little bit of mayonnaise, just enough to oh. so that when I form it, it forms a cake. And then I will take that to order, take two scoops, put them in a uh, breadcrumb mixture of garlic and flour and breadcrumb, and I coat the outside, oh. hot pan, clarified butter, crust on both sides, so that when you get it at the table and you crack it open with your fork, it just kind of oozes out. Mm. Oh, yeah, good. so, so I like that. Uh, that's a, yeah. That sounds good, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you got that little crunchy good. sear on yeah. the outside and that. just fluffy white crab on the middle. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's the other thing. Like, if you're making them at home, you don't want to use – like, or do you, you want to use – can crab do you fre- like how can the what kind of crab can the average person get to make yeah. them man it's tough for me um you know there's a couple varieties out right now you got a blue crab and you have a red crab and mm-hmm. I, I would differentiate you got to know what you're buying the red crab the the junjis they have a very strong flavor in my opinion you know it's mm-hmm. not that sweet mm-hmm. blue crab meat it's different uh, oh. it's more expensive to buy the blue but i'm spoiled that's what yeah, i buy that's, that's what it, I is it cold packed or is it canned or yeah it's i mean it's already cooked and steamed at sea and you know packed and all okay of um, is that is that what you use chef Foster? Yeah, we use the blue crab, and, and you can get the crab meat at Kroger. You can walk okay. across the street now, here. Hey, let me oh. ask you this. This is a okay. chef question. Is that one of the fake? No. There are fake crab meats, right? Is that one of yeah. the fake things? This is not. This is premium oh, stuff. But, but I just think it's interesting that that, mm-hmm. you know, because been talking about fake meat. I mean, and it's out there, but it's not like that. It's not 
that. Good. The the yeah. s- uh, sur- what's it called? Surimi. I forgot. Yeah. yeah so. Interesting. That's one of the byproduct meat products that people seem okay with. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm I I get yeah. back and forth on the processed food. I guess it has its applications. If you're going to wipe out entire species of like pike yeah. and pollock and stuff like that by troll netting out there, you might as well yeah. do something with it. Yeah, right, might as well right. do something. Uh, John, let me ask you a question. In your day life and probably night life, I don't know when you sleep, you are also head of hospitality studies, uh, culinary studies. Tell us exactly what that is. I'm sure I butchered it. And um, you spend a lot of time with students, wonderful students, and teaching them. And you really are like the bomb when it comes to being the teacher of this stuff. You do it every day. I do have a great faculty, you know, it's, it, it does take a, a team to, to uh, wrangle these students sometimes because they get tired of listening to me, so I pass <laughs> them on to Chef Armstrong or Chef Holman, and then they get tired of listening to them, they get passed back to me, so. <laughs> well, good chef, I, bad chef. Yeah, yeah, good chef, bad chef, but really, the, the program is, uh, it's small, but it's manageable enough that uh, you know everybody in the program. Yeah. So that's important. It's important to the students, obviously, and even to parents who, you know, they'll see at your graduation and they'll say, you know, thank you very much for taking care of Johnny because otherwise we don't know what we would have done with him. And you yeah. know, he was going down the wrong path. And it's like, well, part missionary, well, part priest. Part <laughs> that's what teachers are. Uh, oh, yeah. by, the, by the way, we've got a few Chef Foster story people that will say they have stories you're legendary you know you've reached that point in life where you're a legend thus there are stories about you (laughs) that time i encountered chef foster (laughs) and watch yeah (laughs) so you know in Tulsa sullivan university you've got students coming in uh and starting and i i I know you probably touched their lives through throughout the school or the two-year program uh and I believe there's a, you know, French classical and advanced tech and classes like that, which I know you're on the higher end scale of those mm-hmm. classes. But have you seen any of the, the desires or dreams or ambitions or even just career focus change from students entering um, or maybe expectations when they leave, when they come to places like Azure or Sage Rabbit? Uh, expectations, certainly. I think... Um I think they probably expect it to be a little more routine uh, than it really is. And so the pace of their work uh, needs to pick up when they enter the restaurant world. And it's hard to teach pace in a, in a classroom or a laboratory. Um, so it's, an, it's crucial that they take that externship quarter seriously. But I would say that's the most amount of change I've seen. They still understand it's hard work. They still understand it's you know, you're going to be working when everybody else is playing. So that mm-hmm. hasn't changed. I think they're gratified by the fact that pays better. Hours may be a little bit better. Uh, and they still look for opportunity. Uh, you know, I have out of every class, I have probably two or three out of every class who I look at them and I say, you know, you could go as far as you possibly want. Yep. Uh, because you have everything, you have the package. And so you need to get out of here. Maybe spend a few years in Lexington, but then get out. Yeah, you know, get out, and see the world, and if you want to come back and open a restaurant, you'll be ready. Fine. Yeah, come back. <laughs> we need you. All right, this is a really random question, but since we got two chefs on and we're talking about working in a restaurant on a busy Saturday night, there's nothing like it. It's just if you've never done it, there's just nothing like it. It's 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 its own world. What food movie? What chef movie gets it? Or or TV show 
gets it the most right. Well, we had the two recent ones, like Burnt and the Bear. I think the bear. I was going to say the bear. Uh, the bear was a. It's a little, a little silly. I mean, all these are a little drama exaggeration. Sure, sure. I mean, but which but is the most? Burnt, I don't know about you, John. I got some PTSD on certain parts of that, <laughs> where you know some of the the Michelin <laughs> scenes with the yeah. the terrible chefs, and you know a lot of that's changed. I don't know for you, John, but I, I don't know. I, I I couldn't go back and do it again. I couldn't deal with it. No, no. No, and that's I think, about, uh, about the hazing, culinary, the harassment. The, yeah. What do you think, Chef yeah. John? I think if you roll burnt in with bear, the bear, and maybe throw a little bit of chef in. I, you know, yeah. the, the scene in Chef where he screams at oh, the critic yeah. and, and crushes the chocolate cake in his hand, you know, that's what every chef dreams of at some <laughs> point, you know, because you're so frustrated sometimes at people that you just want to go out into the middle of the dining room and squeeze that panache cake and say it's a piece of chocolate yeah. <laughs> you <know. laughs> yeah. because you just don't you just, you just don't, don't. That's, that's yeah just yeah that, interesting you, know, you think about it a lot but you yeah. don't do yeah, yeah. so i was guess that i that? like that a little little bit of all three because yeah. you know there there's humor involved was, in was all this, this and that's chef right you yeah. know there's the intensity involved in this and that's burnt and then there's Is, just the overall I don't know, ins and outs of working in a pub style restaurant. That's when you when when you see in the bear when he's drinking water out of a uh, like a to go soup container. Yeah. I'm like, that's the most accurate thing I've ever seen. Is yeah. the chef show. movie is that the most recent one that most people That would be the said. oldest of those three. Yeah. Oldest. Okay, because yeah. there was a recent with, one. Um, oh, what's Bradley his name? Cooper? Bradley Cooper, that's yeah. right. Yeah, because uh, there was one out recently that a lot of people wouldn't go see because it was so gross oh wow oh that was the menu oh the menu yeah 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 Yeah. it's sometimes as 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 chefs and we got like a like a minute left but chef john foster sage rabbit of uh sullivan university sullivan.edu is it one of those things where you don't watch movies about cooking i don't like i don't like anything about radio because i do radio for a living and i I watch it i go you didn't get that right you didn't get that so i can't enjoy it do you guys just avoid movies about restaurants just eat them up no, we, we watch him. I, I watch him and I, you know, I, I laugh at some of the stuff. And I, I look, you know, like the scene where Cooper, the opening of Burnt, where he's chucking oysters, that's the business. That, that right there to that's me it. is the business. That's mm-hmm. the repetition, the daily repetition. The fact that he's counting down the oysters until he can get out of there and go back to what he knew. I mean, that's ambition. And that's part of being a good chef is you have to be repetitive, but you also have to have ambition because if not, why are you doing it? Yeah. yeah. God, he's so right. I mean, yeah. there there are no shortcuts. There are no, like, quick ways to it. And unless you've worked the line and been in the mix uh, every Saturday night for mm-hmm. years and years and years, you're just not going to have the answers. Yeah. That's you're right. not ready to leave the kitchen. Yeah, hey, it's a 10,000-hour uh, rule. Yeah. John, how do you get to Sage Rabbit? Tell people exactly where you are. We are at 438 South Ashland Avenue, right next to the Clydesdales, who were here yesterday. Yes, the Clydesdales were here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right Euclid. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> go well, yeah, go see them, man. Go enjoy yeah, it. Great to see and you. Check oh. out Sullivan University yeah. at Sullivan.edu. Chef John, thank you so much for being on today. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me.